Oh, today is such a wonderful day in the Lord. Such a wonderful day. Such a very, 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 very wonderful day. I've got good news for you. God's not mad at you. I've got good news for you. He loves you. He loves you. I've got good news for you. He has already forgiven you. I've, I've got nothing but good news. I've got nothing but good news. He loves you. He's already forgiven you. He knows all about it. And he's working it out. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the same. Tell him he loves you. Tell him he's not mad at you. He already knows all about it. And he's working it out. And I give the Lord a mighty hand of praise, would you? Oh, isn't that wonderful to know? Isn't that wonderful to know? Mm, he has already released forgiveness. Order released it. Well, uh, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles. You may be seated. God bless you all. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Second Corinthians. We will start there today. Second Corinthians and, uh, and the fifth chapter. I thank God that your minds are alert, your spirits are in tune, you're ready to take notes, you're ready to hear and receive what the Lord has to say today. And today you will be enriched, you'll be encouraged, and you will not leave this place like you came in Jesus' mighty name. Today yokes shall be broken, burdens shall be removed, and captives shall be set free by the hearing of the word. We expect signs and wonders to follow the ministry of the word of God. It is impossible for you to come into the presence of the Lord and remain the same. Amen. Help me acknowledge the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your awesome presence this day. We thank you, Lord, that it is through the working of your spirit uh, that we have come here today because no man can come to you except you draw them. And we ask, Father, as humbly as we know how, we ask for your spirit to teach us this morning that you would lead us and guide us into all truth, and that you would show us things to come. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. Amen, 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 amen. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. How many of you are ready to get into the Word of God today? You're, you're, you're ready, you're alert, you're ready. God's got a word for you. Second Corinthians, the, the fifth chapter, Second Corinthians 5. And uh, we're going to look at uh, verses 13. All the way down to verse number 21. We're going to pick up a lot of wonderful things here. And I'll be reading to you out of the King James Version of the Bible. And we'll go into New Living Translation and the Amplified Bible as we get to it. All right. And it says in verse number 13. Now, this is 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 13. Uh, give your neighbor a high five before we start and tell him it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm telling you, it's all about him. All right, 2 Corinthians 5th chapter, verse number 13. And it says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him 
which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To it, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, that sounds like a mouthful. But I thank God for the teaching anointing that he has, that we're going to understand this really well in the next few moments. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Let's look at it. Now, uh, we're going to really start at uh, verse number uh, verse number 14. It says, for the, love of, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ uh, controls us or it compels us. Um, it says, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, our focus scripture, now this, this just, uh, this is the wind up pitch. Verse 14 is the wind up pitch because we're going somewhere with this. This all ends up to uh, the very popular verse in verse 17. We're going to really focus on verse 17, so let me read it, because the preceding verses uh, tell you about verse 17. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. One more time. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is a divine promise that God gives to us. Now, we'll, we'll focus on that, but let's go back up to verse number 14. It says here, uh, We thus judge that if one died for all. Now, that's Jesus. Jesus died for all of us. It said, If one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, I want you to notice the, uh, the, the past tense usage of this here, of the word were. It says, if one died for all, we know that Jesus died, that's past tense, he died on the cross, right? For everybody, right? It says, then were all dead. Were all dead. Now, if someone says uh, that dog was dead, that would have to give you a mental picture of a dog that is now living. Isn't that right? If I say the dog was dead. Or well, let's say it this way, uh, uh, if somebody says, uh, my, my bank account was dead, was dead, which now means that I got some money in it now, right? So this is, talks about a resurrection. If someone was dead, was dead, that has to mean that they're alive right now. Isn't that right? It said here, um, we thus judge that if one, talking about Jesus Christ, died for all, then we're all dead. Because Jesus Christ died for us, he gave us the power to be resurrected. We can be born again, right? Born again, that second birth, that second divine birth. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Amen? But because of what Jesus has done, we have now come alive again. Now, this is, uh, this is extremely important 
Because this talks about two lifetimes. Understand this, two lifetimes. Your past life and your new life. Your past and your new. Old and new. Are you with me, everybody? I thank God that you are. Now, going to verse 15. Now, we're going to wind up a bit here. Verse 15 said, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, this is talking about us that have been reborn. The Lord says that after you have been reborn, you should not live unto yourself. Uh, that is, everything should not be about you. Hallelujah. It should not be about what makes you comfortable, but uh, about uh, or nor about what makes you the happiest or what makes you glad. Although when you serve the Lord Jesus, you will have the fullness of joy. You understand? But this, the new birth, after you are born again, life is not about you. I know you're wonderful. You are awesome. Boy, y'all are all that and two bags of chips. But when you are born again, your life no longer belongs to you. The Bible says clearly that we were bought with a price. I have a purpose to serve now, and my purpose is to glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And the best way to do that is for me to operate in my gifts and calling, to operate in my purpose. What he called me to do. Are you with me? All right. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, if you were the inventor of a knife, of a butter knife, if you invented the butter knife, okay, what would make you happier? Would it make you happy of uh, seeing someone use the butter knife, your invention, as a, as a flathead screwdriver? No, because, you know, hey, that's not what I made that for. I didn't make that butter knife. Although it can be used as that, that's not the best use of your invention. Isn't that right? No, you made it to cut some butter. And when you see people in the fine restaurants or in homes or in the nursing homes, wherever, they, when they're cutting their butter with the butter knife, you say, oh, wow, that's great. They use my invention and everything as well. That gives you glory. That brings glory to you, doesn't it? Right? Hallelujah. By the same token, what better way to glorify the Father uh, is that um, uh, other than us operating in our gifts and calling what he called us to do. That brings glory to him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that we should not live unto ourselves, but our main focus now should be on him. That should be your main focus now on serving the Lord. That's where you're going to receive your fulfillment. That's where you're going to receive joy. That's where you're going to receive excitement. That's where you're going to receive the things that you've been craving, you things you've been hungering for. All that's within the will of God for your life. Now, God has a will for everybody. There is something for everybody to do within the kingdom of God. That's why we have to seek him and ask him, what part are we to play? What part am I to play? Because my life now is not about me, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. The Lord also breaks this down and says, he, uh, he who loves his life uh, is going to lose it. But he who uh, hates or cares less for his life, for the things of this life, you're going to find eternal life. And actually, if everything's about you, you're going to be very miserable. Let me prophesy that to you now. If everything is all about you, you're going to be extremely miserable. Because people will never be able to do it just like you want it done. If it's all about you, 
Uh, they'll never be able to satisfy you. Things will never be able to satisfy you. You'll always be thinking about uh, how people are thinking about me and what they're saying about me, why they don't like me, and, and all this. If it's all about you, if life is you-centered, you're going to be miserable. I'm telling you now, you will be miserable. Why nobody respects me? And, and this, oh, if it's all about you, you're going to be miserable. Can I, can I say that to you? I mean, just flat out miserable. If it's all about you. But if your focus is on Christ and you're living for him, then you're going to find the greatest joy and satisfaction. But if it's all about you, and how they never treat you right, and they don't talk to me right, and, and they don't do me right. And if it's all about you, you're going to be miserable. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I hope you're listening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you, you're going to be, you're going to be miserable. If it's all about you, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be fearful, afraid. And see, uh, King, we're talking about King Saul this morning. I'll go in just for a moment. We're talking about King Saul. Uh, this morning when um, when the Lord had stripped the kingdom from him. And uh, King David, the young King David, came into his employ as his armor bearer. And King Saul noticed good things about young David at first. But then he realized that he was God's anointed. And then King Saul spent the rest of his life rejecting David. <laughs> he spent the rest of his life afraid of David and afraid of the people. Uh, he said, David, and they said, the people have uh, ascribed to David killing 10,000. But to me, he said, they have only ascribed me killing a thousand. People were singing songs about more about David than they were about him. And he couldn't stand that. He couldn't stand that David was the center of attention and that, and he couldn't stand how people were thinking about him. They weren't respecting him. He was jealous. He was angry. He was enraged. And at the end of his life, he declared, I played the role of a fool. Because my life was spent thinking about me and trying to secure my kingdom and trying to get my son, Jonathan, on the throne. It's all about you and you're going to be miserable, stressed out, worried. You don't need that in your life. You hear me, saints of God? Don't make your life all about you. I hope somebody heard that. But when we are born again, life ceases to be about us. And it's now focused on Jesus, on serving him. And you're going to receive the greatest sense of gratitude or, or the greatest sense of joy, uh, the greatest adulation. I mean, you're going to receive all that uh, as you focus on the Lord and what he desires. So verse 15 says, uh, and that he died for all, that they which live, he's talking about us, say he's talking about me, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That talks about Jesus. Now, verse 16 says, wherefore, henceforth, now, now, here is the, here is the pen. You got to get this. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now henceforth know we him no more. That is to say, after the flesh. Now here is a very key thing. Uh, thank God that you're listening. They said, we know no man after the flesh because of what we just spoke about. It says, wherefore. In other words, uh, verse 
16 is talking about 15 and 14 and further on. It says, wherefore, we know no man after the flesh. Now, the, the preceding verses talks about an old life and the new life, right? What happened then and what's happening now. Now, this has a twofold meaning. We know no man after the flesh. That is, when someone comes in and they give their lives to Jesus Christ, we don't look at them anymore as the old drunkard. We don't say, oh, here comes Bob or Ted or John or whoever. He is, he is the town drunk. No, when he is new in Christ, those things have passed away. And it says we no longer uh, look at him in with a human vantage point or from a human viewpoint. Okay, because that person has now changed. We don't look at him uh, for his, we don't look at him in the terms of his old life. That's gone. It said we endeavor. Now, I want to read this one more time. It says in verse number uh, 16 again, it says, wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. So, in other words, we're not connecting that person to their past. Don't connect that person to their past. That's what God is doing with us. He does not connect us to our past. Can somebody say hallelujah? He does not connect you to your mistakes. That's why the Bible talks about love. And I love that in the NIV, that love keeps no record of wrongs. And that his love, God's love and forgiveness is, is so awesome. It is so powerful that it removes or that it gives you a clean slate from the things of the past. And so the apostles here are picking up the, really the mind of Christ. And they're saying from here on out, we will not associate you with the things that you've done. This is the mind of God. Now, it's not the mind of the world. The world says, oh, once a so-and-so, always a so-and-so. I know you ain't about nothing. I remember you way back when. I remember when you did this, that, and the other. You ain't no good. No, no, no. That's the mind of the world. That's the mind of the devil. That's not the mind of God. It's not the mind of Christ. You understanding? Now, Scripture is, was, was, divine, was written uh, under, the, under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is the Word of God. This is the mind of God. And God says, when I look at you, or, and, and when we look at each other, we are not to look at each other through the lenses of our past. Oh, this is freedom here, if you hear what I'm saying to you. So knowing the truth, we can also know what a lie is. If someone comes in or someone in your life or, or if you are holding someone to what they have done, you're not operating in the mind of God. You're operating in the mind of the world. You're not operating in the mind of God. The Bible says again, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Now, I told you this is a twofold meaning. I pray you catch this. The first meaning is, uh, 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 let me give you a good example about that. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. And you may have noticed some things that they've done before in their past. But God tells you, forget it. You hear what I'm saying? Because of the new birth experience. Remember, we were dead. Were dead. Were dead. But now we are alive in him. And the stuff that we were, the stuff that we did is back there. It's back yonder. And so the Lord tells us, don't look at people 
from that human van, that human uh, vantage point. Don't look at people through the lens of their past. See, the apostles made up in their mind, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to do this anymore because they because there has come a change in their lives. There's so much of a supernatural change in their lives. All right. Now, like I said, twofold meaning. One, we're looking at each other and telling each other, I'm not, I'm not holding you to your past sins. Now, uh, the scripture says, henceforth, um, know we no man after the flesh. You need to tell yourself, this no man thing includes me too. It includes me. The Lord's saying, stop holding you to the stuff that you used to do. Because we can look at ourselves through the lenses of our past. But what you have to realize is that you've changed. Say with me, I've changed. Now, this is because of this new birth experience. I was dead in all that, but now I'm alive. I have, in, in some terms, I have been resurrected. I am a new creature. So I can't look at you through the lenses of your past, and I cannot look at myself through the lenses of my past. I have to realize that you are new, and you have to realize that I am new. And you have to realize that you say that I, just point yourself and say, I am new. Say, self, you better get it. I am new. You see, we have to receive that. We have to receive that. We have to receive that. Or else God will bring a new opportunity your way. And if you think that you're still that old person, you may not take the opportunity because you say, well, I know how I am or I know how I have been in the past. But that person is dead. And now I'm new. Is anybody getting a hold of this today? All right, so let's go on further. This is, this is good stuff. Verse 16 says again, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. We got that. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more after flesh. He said, now, we don't know people. We, 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 we don't hold people to their past, and we don't look at people just from a human perspective. Because now you're more than that. You were that, what they used to call you, but now you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and now you are a new creature in him, and now there comes a change in you. The apostles say, now here's, a, here's another key that you gotta get a hold of this. They said, we don't, they said, we, we once knew Christ in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh, but we don't know him like that anymore. But there are a whole lot of people that still know Christ in flesh. And if you still know Christ in flesh, that is, if you still regard him in the flesh, then your God is dead and can't do anything for you. If you only know Christ after flesh, then at Easter time, you'll look at the crucifix and say, oh, he was a good man, but they killed him. At Christmas time, you look at manger scenes and say, oh, he was such a pretty baby. He's such a pretty baby. 
He's such a pretty baby. And some people have jokingly said, you know, well, well, uh, uh, I like the baby Jesus. To me, Jesus will always be the baby in the manger. I, I like the baby Jesus. You can have grown up Jesus, but, but I want baby Jesus. They only know him after flesh. And to some, he was a prophet. He was a good man and they killed a good man. And that was the end of it. Are you with me? And some say today, well, if I had been back, if I had been alive back in Bible times, then, you know, I could have touched Jesus. I could have talked to Jesus, but now he's gone. If you only know him after the flesh, then your God is limited and your God is dead. Are you hearing me? When they knew Jesus after the flesh, he could not be in all places at one time. He was tied in the physical body. They said, we once knew him like that in the past, but now we know him in the new light. Now we know him as the resurrected Savior, as the God that rose from the dead with all power in heaven and in earth. Now we know him as our high priest, the one that prays him and intercedes for us. Now we know him as the one who has brought his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat of heaven that grants us forgiveness of our sins. Now we know him as counselor. Now we know him as Alpha and Omega. And as Thomas said, I, we now we know him as my Lord and my God. Now it's changed. I'm not holding him to that old, but now I have received the new. Now understand, so the Lord is putting the emphasis on new and not the old. You're not the old person. You're the new one. Say with me, I'm not the old person. I'm the new one. Are you with me? So we're not even supposed to know Christ after the flesh. We're supposed to now know him as the risen Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So all of that comes on down now to verse 17. Verse 17 starts with, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that is, if you be engrafted in Christ, if you believe in the power of God, if you believe that God raised up Jesus from the dead, if you believe in Jesus Christ and has received him as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you are engrafted in him. You have become one with him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature. He is. He is. He is. Not will be one day if you're good enough. No, God said you are. He is a new creature. Now, not a lot of people actually receive that and actually believe in the power of the new creation. And that's our subject for the day, the new creation. Because a lot of people believe that once we give your life, once they give their lives to the Lord Jesus, once they do that, then they think it's all up to them and, and they can't understand why. They say, well, if I'm a new creature, then why uh, am I still doing the things that I've been doing when I was supposedly dead? Preacher, give me the answer to that. Well, I'll be glad to do that in just a moment. Are you with me? First of all, we have to believe this for, with our hearts. That we are new in Christ. I am a new creature. Now the word new here in the Greek is not talking about new as in time. It's not talking about new as in um, a new line of car, so to speak, or a new model. 
You know, they brought back the, uh, the Thunderbird and all this stuff, and they say, this is the new Thunderbird. No, I mean, yeah, it's the new model, but it's not new because it already existed back then. Uh, the, the world says when they talk about new, they talk about something that they, most time they brought back from the past and they put some flair on it, some finishing touches on it, and they call it new. Like they create uh, these, they say new songs, but they're really the old songs. You know, they just put a different spin on them. They, they, they put a little wooka, wooka, wooka on it and all that stuff. They put a few more sound effects and they say this is the new song. No, somebody done that song and done it over and done it over and done it over and done it over. God, that's not the new that he's talking about. He's not talking about something uh, that is uh, reconditioned or refurbished. When he says new creation, that means that when you receive Jesus, when you believed in Christ and received him as Lord and Savior, that God spoke. He had to speak you into existence. Now, if we go back into the book of Genesis, we see how God created things. Everything he created was by the spoken word. He said, let there be light. And it came forth. Let there be the firmament. Let them be, let there be animals and this and that and the other. He spoke it into existence. So when you receive Christ, uh, God spoke. He gave birth to you. Are you with me? Birth to you through his spirit. You are absolutely positively, without question, a new creature, a new creation. I like uh, one translation says that we are a new species of being. Now, we have to arm ourselves with that belief and also that mentality. Remember, in the preceding verses, it talks about old life and new life. It talks about how Christ, uh, how they knew the Lord after the flesh, but hey, we don't know him like that anymore. It talks about us relating to ourselves. I'm not that same person. Why? Because I am a new creature. Now, what has changed? What has changed about you? What is new? Your spirit, man, is a new person. Your spirit. Not this flesh, because if you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you only have one tooth, when you say amen, you still got that one tooth. Are you with me? So that hasn't changed. Your soul has not, uh, your soul has not changed either because soul talks about your mind, your emotions, your memories, and all that stuff. And after you give your life to Lord Jesus Christ, you still remember doing the things that you did before. You remember the phone numbers. You remember the address. You remember exactly where it was, right? So your soul has not been changed, but your, your soul needs to be renewed. Your soul needs to be transformed. Your soul needs to receive what the, what the Word of God says. Are you with me? So body is not changed and soul is not changed. What is changed? The spirit, the real you, the spirit man, the real you. This is brand new. This is new in God. Now, your spirit gives you, uh, the Holy Spirit rather, we can say the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of your human spirit. And he is the one who influences you to do right. He is on the inside now. Now, the Holy Spirit is not in your body, or else if your arm got cut off, you'd have just, you'd have just that much less of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was in the body, then I'd say, hey, let's all gain about two, three hundred pounds. If, if we, if the Holy Spirit's in our body, then that would mean the more weight we have, the more Holy Spirit we could have. Right? 
Sure we would, if the Holy Spirit was in body, but he's in our spirit. He does come upon our bodies, praise the Lord, his anointing does, but he lives in our spirit. Now, we have to have faith in this new creation, that God has made us new, that God has made you new. Now, because this new creation has not touched your soul, then that means here again that you're going to have some of those same desires. So those, some of those same desires because those desires come from the soul. But when we renew our minds in the word of God and we begin to believe what he said and begin to quote or confess what he said, then you will see the spirit dominating or taking authority over flesh. When you begin to declare that that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it begins to reverberate in the spirit and it begins to have natural results. Just like if you believe in God for healing for your body and you begin to confess, it is by Jesus stripes, I am healed. It is by Jesus stripes, I am healed. Well, you, were, uh, well, you were saying something invisible, but it is affecting the visible. Are you with me? It is affecting your, it is affecting the soul, it is affecting the body when you speak it out of your mouth. And when you, when you speak those invisible words, when you declare what God said. By the same token, as you declare that, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, you go about and you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am redeemed. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I am born again. I am holy because God said I'm holy. I am redeemed. I am right with God. I'm in right standing with him. He has forgiven me. He has washed my sins away. As you begin to declare these things, these invisible words, they will have natural results. Just like you're quoting about healing. It affects your body. This also will affect your soul as you align your speech up or make confession, um, make confession in line with what God said. Are you with me? So um, the Bible says here that uh, we are new creatures in him, new creations. Old things are passed away. Old things are passed away, meaning you are not that person anymore. Now, here's the confusing thing at times. I still remember doing it, and I did it with this body. But, Lord, you tell me that I am new. Yes, you must believe that, son. What do you mean I'm new? I still remember doing it. I still feel it. I still know how it felt. But you say I'm new. Yes, Hmm. All right. Then I receive that father. You have to begin to believe here. It goes all goes back to believing. Even in salvation, the Lord said in Romans, the 10th chapter tonight, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, if you confess with your mouth, you're going to be saved. Believing and confession changes your life. How many of you can testify, and I'm sure a lot of you can testify, that since you believed and confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, your whole life has changed. Your whole life has changed. I can testify about that. And it happened through believing and confessing. I didn't, I didn't, uh, say go to the, uh, to the bank and borrow a bunch of money and, and pay the preacher off to make me feel this way or to make me act this way. I, Excuse me. I didn't fast and pray a whole bunch and all that stuff. I didn't do a lot of this stuff. All I did was believe and confess. 
believe and confess, and my whole life changed. By the same token, as we believe and confess, I am a new creature. I am a new creation. I believe that, and I confess that, and my whole life changes. Are you with me? You see, our life fails to change because we don't believe and confess. We got to believe and confess. Help me tell your neighbor, we got to believe and confess. All right. And so it says, um, old things are passed away. Now we got to believe that. You see, I still have these desires in me. But you've got to believe that those old things are passed away. They're gone. They're gone. They are passed away. It's like a bunch of uh, boxes, uh, but they're now empty. The enemy still has those boxes around there, but he's trying to convince you that they're full. But they're just full of air. There's nothing in them anymore because I am a new creature in him, and those old things are passed away. They no longer have the control over me like they used to. Are you with me? Now, to further bring that into focus, go to 1 John. Go to 1 John, the fifth chapter. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? I'm telling you. I'm going to keep your uh, Bible tab there in, in 2 Corinthians if you can. All right, 1 John. Let me show you some things here. 1 John, the fifth chapter. Let me show you fact, not fiction. Let me show you fact. Fact. 1 John, the fifth chapter. And... Um, Let's look at verse number four. Let's get right down to it. Are you there? It says, for whatsoever, or also translated, whosoever, for whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 4 says, Whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. The world is all these other influences, the, the things of my past. God said that because I am born again, because I've received Jesus, he has now given me the ability and I have overcome this world. I have overcome these influences. The Bible says also that sin shall no longer have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. When you are born again, you come under the covenant of grace, and sin shall not, it cannot dominate my life, because I'm a new person. It could dominate and did dominate my, me in the old life, but when I received Jesus as Lord and Savior, sin no longer has the ability, it no longer has the capacity to dominate, to rule, or control me. Listen, it doesn't have it. I have to give it power to do it. That's why the Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it do it. I have to let it do it now because it does not have the power to control me on its own. I have to let it happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Let's look at one more. Let's look at um, the same book, First John. Let's go to the fourth chapter. Let's go to the fourth chapter. Let's look at verse number four. It says, ye are of God, little children, 
and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm not that old person anymore. I've got the greater one abiding on the inside of me now. I have changed. But see, here's the trick of the enemy. When you quote these things and say, I've changed, I'm a new person in Christ, old things have passed away. But the devil said, well, look, well, why you do that last week then? Why you did, why, or why, if you knew and all, why are you still doing this, that, and the other? Answer is, well, I need to be regenerated in that area. I need to confess in that area. Because God said that this thing shall not, shall not have dominion over me. And I declare that this thing shall not have dominion over me. It shall not. It shall not. And here again, as I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, my world then begins to change. All around me begins to change. The only reason why these things may appear to have dominion over us is because we have not believed and confessed what he has said. Are you understanding? So they say, well, well, because it's written in the Bible, it's got to be true, right? Uh, well, listen, just because it's written in the Word does not mean it will occur in your life. Jesus was slain over 2,000 years ago, but his death didn't help you. His death, burial, and resurrection didn't help you until you believed it and confessed it. Are you with me? You have to log into it. You have to tie on to it. You have to receive it. Receive what has been done. There are government grants out there are crazy, so people tell me. I don't know. They're crazy. There's money out there are crazy. But how will that help you? Unless you got some way of tapping into it. Yes, it is written in the word, but you must appropriate it. You must receive it. You've got to believe it. You've got to confess it out of your mouth. That, and, and doing that will begin to line your life up with it. That's why the Bible talks about uh, reconciling ourselves. It says, Recon ye, reconcile yourselves unto God. Reconcile. Uh, my wife brought this out. This was very good. I think I mentioned it before. When the Bible talks about reconcile, it, it, it's kind of like that financial term, like in a reconciling your checkbook, right? You get your bank statement in once a month, and the bank says you ought to have um, these transactions, you and you should have this kind of balance. That's what the bank says. This is the bank paperwork. Then you look at your paperwork, and you reconcile yours to that of the bank to make sure that you're lining up properly. God already has a statement in line for you. He has 66 books of his statement. So we bring ourselves to him and see and make sure that we're lining up to what he has said. And he said that I am a new creation. He says that I am an overcomer. He said that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said it. He said it. So I, 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 I reject the things that the world is telling me and I receive what he is saying. I line up or I submit to what he is saying, regardless of how I feel or what I think or what others may say, because people can try to tie you to your past. Now, you can tell them God, God don't like that. You're supposed to tie me to my past. God don't like that. they look at you and probably laugh in your face. But the Lord will deal with them in another time. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have to reconcile ourselves to God and actually believe that the new birth experience does matter. It does count. Are you with me? 
It is enough. When you gave your life to Jesus, he did the work completely. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. Your life has changed. We got to believe that. We got to believe that. Are you with me? It's not a fairy tale. All right. We are coming to a close here. Now, I want you to see something uh, as well in um, 2 Timothy. Now, I'll, I'll read this to you. You don't have to get it, but you can make a note of it. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse number 5. Uh, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know, if you don't believe in that new birth experience, you'll settle for a copy. You'll settle for um, writing your name on the church roll or saying a little prayer with somebody. And uh, they'll tell you, okay, well, now you're born again. Now it's up to you to, to do all you can to live right. Uh, focus on being perfect in God's sight. You know, but that's only half. After you receive Jesus, then we have to receive his grace to do all these things. Because you can't live right by willpower alone. You're going to need the supernatural power of God uh, to continue to work in you uh, after the initial salvation. Are you with me, everybody? All right. Uh, th- that's very key. So don't receive, don't receive the, uh, the, the copy. When you gave your life to Jesus, and those, there'll be some of you today that would give your life to the Lord today, believe in the supernatural work of God. He did change you. He did change me. I am new. I am new. And that sin, those desires, no longer have power over me. They no longer have power over me. See, the devil knows it. He's just hoping you don't find out. He don't care about you shouting in church. Just don't start believing what the Bible says. Just, just don't start believing it and confessing it. He don't care about all that. He don't care about you giving money. Just don't start believing the word and start confessing it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Let's go just a couple more and then we're going to close out. Uh, let's go to um, uh, John the 12th chapter. John 12. John 12. I tell you, there, uh, there's, a, there's newness. Uh, there's newness in the Lord. There's new experience. There's new experience in the Lord. Now we're going to look at two scriptures and then we'll close out for today. John the 12th chapter. And then we'll also go back over to, to uh, we'll go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, then we'll close out there. I think you're getting good understanding. John, the 12th chapter, the Lord says here in verse number 23 through um, 25, make a note of it or flip with me and then read it read along with me. It says, and Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. We mentioned that before. Now, don't get distracted by noises. Are you with me? There's a car alarm going on outside now, and some of you that don't even, man, ain't even have that make and model car looking around. Don't be distracted. Don't let the enemy distract you from receiving the word of God. Are you with me? 
That doesn't even sound like your car. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Are you with me? If it dies, if you die, you will bring forth much fruit. Are you hearing me? Now, last scripture. Let's go, and we're going to capitalize on that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. 1 Corinthians 15 chapter talks about this new birth experience. I'm new. I have been changed. I'm not the same person that I used to be. I'm changed. I'm new. God's not holding me accountable. He's not holding you accountable to the things of the past once you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Your sins are already forgiven, past, present, and future. When Jesus said it is finished, it's finished. When he said you're forgiven, it is forgiven. When he said it's done, it's done. His blood is so powerful um, that um, uh, his blood is so powerful that it can wash away all sins. Now listen, when the Lord says that all sins are forgiven, past, present, past, present, or future, um, when you think about that, some people, it, it just trip, trips them up. How can my future sins, things that, I haven't been, um, things that I have not even done, be forgiven? I don't understand that. But listen, we live life, um, uh, we live life in time, and God sees uh, things in eternity. We take life moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour. It's kind of like a parade. If you've seen a parade before, uh, you know, you're standing on the side of the road and you see a parade go by. The marching band, they're going by. Here comes Snoopy. He goes by. Here comes Winnie the Pooh. He's going by. Here comes the, the cheerleaders. They're going by. That's how we see things. But the Lord is like someone, we could say this, that's, that's flying high above in a helicopter. He can see the beginning of the parade and the ending of the parade at one glance. So when he says forgiven, he's looking over your entire lifetime. When he said his blood is shed that will cover your sins, he's talking about it over the entire lifetime, from the beginning of your life to the ending of the life. But we think that God's forgiveness is only when I get to it. No, you're already forgiven. He's, seen, he's done it over a lifetime. What he tells us to do when sin is committed is confess it. Confess it before me. He said, if you would confess your sins before him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and wash you or cleanse you from all sin and unrighteousness. Confess it. Talk it out. Get it out of you. Get it out of you. Get it out of you. Here again, there's that confession again. Believing in confession, this time as we've committed the sin or the error, we confess it before God and the Lord cleanses. This time our confession actually cleanses us. In other words, our invisible words of confession about what we've done still has supernatural results. Words go out of confession and cleansing comes in. Words go out of confession and cleansing comes in. Are you with me? But if we don't confess it, then we cannot be cleansed. And if we cannot be cleansed, then that sin that was not supposed to have dominion over you will have dominion over you. And it will control you. Are you with me? And you'll walk after the flesh and you'll find condemnation where there was not meant, meant to be. All right. Now we're coming to a close here in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? 
1 Corinthians 15. See, the Lord is freeing us today. He's freeing us today. We're going to look at verses 34, 35, 36, 37, and 38, just as a whole. I won't go line by line on this one. Uh, verse 34, this is 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And it says, uh, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. That, uh, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not, that body that shall be, but bear grain, uh, it may chance be wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Now, I want to read that to you out of the uh, Message Bible because I love the way the Message Bible reads, and we're going to read really close off from here today. Now, I want you to look, think about what we talked about earlier in Second in, uh, Corinthians, the fifth chapter, about the old life and the new life. The old life cannot compare to the new life and how we have to believe and confess this, this new life, this new reality over ourselves. You know, here's, here's another point. I mean, people can speak all kind of bad stuff over you, and uh, if we don't do things to the contrary of it, we'll, we will eventually line up with what they've said. You'll be just like your Uncle Junibug. You'll be just like them. You ain't this, and you like this. And you hear that long enough, that person begin to act that out. They begin to act that out. Or if you begin to say, talk about yourself and say, I, I know I'm not going to be able to do that. I know I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm just not. I just can't. 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 And you know what? You won't. You sure won't. You sure won't. You'll fulfill the prophecy that is spoken out of your own lips by your own confession. I know they're going to fire me. I just know they're going to fire me. I just know they're going to fire me. Well, you might as well look for another job now. Because it's going to be fulfilled out of your own mouth. Are you, are you with me? The Bible talks about how uh, the, the words of the priest establish the matter. How the words of the priest establish the matter. The Lord Jesus made you a king and priest. Now your words go forth and establish the matter. All right. Now listen uh, to what this says. I love this, love this, love this. Uh, how the Message Bible, and we'll end up here. Here again, we're thinking about the old life and the new life. It says here, and uh, verse number 34, it says, Think straight, straight, awaken to the holiness of life. Uh, no more playing fast and loose with resurrection facts. Ignorance of God is a luxury you can't afford in times like these. Aren't you embarrassed that, uh, that you've let this kind of thing go on as long as you have? You know, people having an argument whether resurrection is true or not, and you can read the rest of it when you get home. Verse 35 says, Some skeptics uh, is sure to say, Show me how resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. Uh, what does this resurrection body look like? If you look at this question closely, you realize how absurd it is. How absurd it is. There are no 
there are no diagrams for this kind of thing. We do have a parallel experience uh, in gardening. Now, here again, as we talk about your old life and new life, here again, it says we have a parallel experience in gardening. Listen to this. You You plant a dead seed, soon there is a flourishing plant. There is no visual likeness between seed and plant. Uh, you could never guess what a tomato would look like by looking at a tomato seed. What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it uh, don't look anything alike. The, bo- the dead body that is buried in the ground and the resurrection, resurrection body that comes from it will be dramatically different. Your old life cannot compare to this new life. Neither, just like it said, neither can you compare a tomato seed to the tomato. You can't compare an apple seed to the full-grown, juicy Granny Smith apple. You can't compare it. It is too, it looks, it looks like two different things. But here's the thing. God has made you to a full-grown, you were a dying seed when you were out there in the world, but God has recreated you. He has changed you. And now you're a full-blown apple, full-blown Granny Smith apple, nice and green and shiny, but you still got a seed mentality. Are you with me? You've changed now. You have grown, but you still think you're like that until you receive what God said. Let me close with this story. Some of you heard this before about the elephant. Uh, There was a baby elephant, and this is how they trained it. They tied a, or they nailed a stake to the ground, and they tied a little rope around the baby elephant's neck. And that baby elephant tried and tried and tried to pull itself free from that little rope, but it couldn't. Day after the day, Day after day, month after month, it tried to pull itself from the rope, and it couldn't. And sooner or later, it figured out, well, this rope is too strong for me, and I can't break it. Well, after years went by, now the baby elephant is full grown and can push over a car, can push over houses, that big old mammoth elephant. But you know what? When they tie up with that same rope on that same peg, it won't budge because it thinks I can't break it. I can't break this. I can't break this. Even though there is a visible change between little elephant and big elephant, even though its muscles have changed, everything about it has changed, but it hasn't changed on the inside. It still sees itself as small and can't do it. What makes a change? Well, somebody's got to tell Mr. Elephant who he is. And what he can do now. What God has said now. And then when that elephant begins to believe it, oh, it's going to break that rope and go free. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're finished in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So today, I'm talking to you elephants. Elephants.